0: Praise the Lord. Yeah. So good to be with you in the house this morning, amen? Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. What wonderful worship. I love it when the Lord comes in his presence and he speaks to our hearts. Uh, and I just believe he has great things in store this morning. How many believe this, this morning? Yeah. Amen. Turn with me with your Bibles we're going to start, we're going to be all over the place this morning. Hope you're ready to navigate. How many love the Word of God? Lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Praise God. Well, I felt uh, this week to talk a little bit about just what's been on my heart, and I would I would uh, characterize it this way: His kingdom and our culture. His kingdom and our culture, and. Uh, One of the things that I was just meditating upon is what culture means. And I know I'm just, I'm excited that we're a church of many cultures. How many like that? Every tribe, every tongue, I think that's what the kingdom of God looks like, amen? And uh, that, that, that just joys my heart, brings joy to my heart every Sunday to come in here and see these flags and just the different nations that are represented here. We're a church for a house of prayer for. All nations, amen. Um, But when it comes to culture, and I know many, there are many here this morning who have come to America and you've tried to adopt to this crazy culture of ours. And uh, there's Americans who are still adopting. Come on, (laughs) somebody. And if we're honest, we would say this morning that our culture is rapidly changing. And maybe not all in a good way, but I believe in the midst of that God wants to reveal to us his people the kingdom culture And what he has for us and so uh, To to just to define culture this morning. It's really difficult to define. It's something You might put it this way. It's just the way we do things around here right Uh, each place each person you have a culture and, and even, if you've been, even if you've grown up in the United States your whole life, you've come from different family cultures, amen? And uh, all of us have a little weirdness, if we're honest. Amen. It can be, yes, amen. <laughs> I know a little of your weird, Pastor mm-hmm. John, right? Uh, it can be dif- difficult to define without actually experiencing it. Sometimes it's better felt than articulated. Um, to quote... Uh, Pastor Pete Scazzaro says this. He says the sum total of the learned patterns of thought and be- thoughts and behaviors of any given group. The sum total of the learned patterns. Another definition is the customary beliefs, social forms, and material traits of a racial, religious, or social group—a particular society that has its own beliefs, ways of life, art, etc. Another one says, the characteristic features of everyday existence shared by people in a place or time. Anybody ever heard of the Seattle culture? They call it the, the, the chill. Right. If you, you, how many, you go to the south, and how many know you experience a different culture? People actually smile and wave at you, and they're, like, hospitable and friendly. And um, the reality is Seattleites are friendly. They just don't come across that way. People come here and they experience the chill. They go, what is this? And, uh, but, but it, it's, it's a real thing, amen? It's a real thing when you get here and you experience the difference in culture in this area. But like I said, every family has a culture that has been established. We grew up with our own culture. Um, some of it good, some of it just us. But you know that the culture you grew up in has uniquely shaped who you are. You're a product of that culture, good or bad. <laughs> um, and as a church family, as the family of God, we are trying to come into the culture of his kingdom. And sometimes that means we're dealing with a little cultural shock. And, and let me define that this way. The feeling... Of disorientation experienced by someone who is suddenly subjected to an unfamiliar culture, way of life, or set of attitudes. Anyone ever experienced that before? Um, I could share some experiences we've had. How many know when you get married? You know where this is going. You get outlaws, I mean, in laws, and I'm just playing. They're not watching, are they? All right, so. Um, no, I love my in-laws. They're amazing. I, I, I seriously have an amazing family on both sides. But, uh, but you, you know that you get to know this family, and it's different than how you grew up. And uh, they do things different. They have traditions, the way they communicate, the way they behave, the way they are when they get together. And I remember uh, seeing a friend of mine when he had just gotten married, and he had married into an Italian family. And, uh, it, and we went to a, an event after the wedding. And there they are. And my friend's sitting there. And the, the, the family's just talking. And they're talking over each other. <laughs> and and they, that's just normal. That, that's how they are. And I, just, I was watching this look of disorientation on his face <laughs> as he's adjusting to this new family he's part of now. And uh, I turned to him and I said, you may have to get used to not having many words. They say men have 10,000 words a day. They say women, 25,000. And all the men said, amen. All right. Um, Pastor John says we're saving our words. We also get the last word. You know what it is. It's yes, honey. Yes, dear. But uh, I, I, I can uh, remember my, my poor, beautiful wife. She came, and she was getting used to our family. And uh, my family, we, we like to debate a little on occasion. And uh, we might, we might, we might, that might turn into an argument occasionally. And uh, so there we were. We were having a family dinner, and we're having one of these family debates. No big deal. And, and it's getting intense. And, and, and I remember... Um, my sister just adored Carolyn. She was, she just thought the world of her. She still does, uh, as far as I know. Um, and so she, she's uh, watching uh, my, my then girlfriend uh, observe this family interaction and this look of disorientation on her face. And she went over and goes, please don't leave us. Please don't leave us. (laughs) So I I get to share. I get to share another story too. This is, and this this came with permission. So thank you, uh, Sam and Jules. You can throw that picture up there. And I think this sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words. So this is the um, pre-marriage couple. Circa 2007 December Christmas time frame, and you see the look that I'm describing this morning of disorientation. <laughs> this was a family Christmas event, and there is, uh, and, and uh, my mom, she just made these beautiful, amazing uh, pajamas for... for and uh, she put her whole heart in it. We loved him, and uh, I mean, it's okay. That, you know, we were, we were good with it, but Sam, uh, you know, he's getting used to the family dynamics. <laughs> he's... And not only that, he got a gift he wasn't expecting, which is a, do- a dog, right? Wasn't that, yeah. Okay, so he had two reasons for being disoriented in that moment. Yeah, I know it's, it's, Chris, it's early for Christmas, but uh, all the women who are beginning to the uh, Hallmark sp- streak, you're ready. I know you are. Gets, it gets started every year earlier. Um, I also had this experience one time. I was on a business trip, and we went to New York for a business meeting, and, and they took us down to this dinner. You can move that picture up unless... Uh, uh, <laughs> i want to keep it going. Sam, Sam gave permission. Uh, yeah, um, we went to this New York business meeting, and they were going to take us out to dinner. And, and uh, sometimes you're on a your business trip, and when you get to dinner, everybody else is just using the opportunity for letting loose. And so there I am, and everybody else in that dinner is just getting drunk. And I'm like, man, I, I think I need another activity. <laughs> so I'm gonna. So I I, uh, I knew we were down in. Manhattan, and we were right by Times Square Church, David Wilkerson's church at the time, and, and I had a manager at that time, and he was, he was also pr- staying pretty mellow, and I said, hey, let's go walk around. You know your way, so let's walk around, and I had told him I really wanted to go to this church, and so we walked down the street, and I turned, and I saw this, these people going into the church, and, and my, uh, my manager at the time, he's like, hey, isn't that the church you wanted to go to? I'm like, yeah, it looks like they're having a service. So let's go to church. They're getting drunk. Let's go to church. Come on. So we, we went in, and if you've ever been to this church, it's amazing. It's in this theater. The uh, environment is just incredible, and they have this choir, and, you know, the place is just filled with worship and praise, and, and uh, my manager was a Catholic. He'd never experienced anything like this before, and he stood, he was kind of wide-eyed. He had that disoriented look. And uh, as he's observing this, and and, I mean, it was powerful presence of the Lord. Awesome. So we get out of this service, and we're going back to the bus, and all the other managers are stumbling, and and they're walking on, and uh, they're like, what did you guys do? We went to church. That's different. Yeah. But uh, I remember my manager commenting this. He goes, "You know, the one thing that really impressed me is I looked at that front row, and I saw probably fifty nations represented." He goes, "I've never seen anything like that." You see, the church culture he'd come from they they met separately, and there was the kingdom of God represented these. Those who had been just washed and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb from different nations, praising together of one heart, one mind. Amen? Amen. And this just struck such an impact, had such an impact on him. I said, That's the kingdom of God. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. We all come in with our diverse backgrounds and different experiences and uniquely being formed by them, and yet we come together under the banner of Him. We're by the spirit of the living God. And, you know, as we come into this culture that God has in his kingdom, we recognize that there's some parts of our culture that have to change or have to be overridden by the kingdom of God's culture, Amen. There's some things we can keep. There's some things that conflict. But for every one of us, it's a transformative process that God is bringing us to. So the question I have before us as a church in the coming weeks is, what is the culture of the kingdom, and how do we live it out? We all experience this culture shock coming into his kingdom. And I, if I would say that if I could define what it is, it is to reflect who the king is in all our ways. That's where that culture is. in how we live, how we behave, how we communicate how we work, come on somebody, how we create, how we express ourselves, that's the kingdom of God, the kingdom culture that God is, his spirit moving through us and allowing him to express himself in every area of our life. The fruits of the spirit being manifested through our lives to reflect the nature and character of our king. That's what he's trying to bring us into, and it's a a process. But Jesus told his disciples in three of the Gospels, he says, to you it has been granted to see and reveal the, the mystery of the kingdom of God. So as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ, he's granted to us to open up, unveil the mysteries, the hidden mysteries of the kingdom of God. And I love this word mystery is mysterion in the Greek, and it means a hidden or secret thing, not obvious to the understanding. Being outside the range of unassisted natural apprehension. Do you get that? We don't get it without the spirit of God and the spirit of wisdom and revelation. See, it's an unseen thing. It has to be seen with the eyes of our heart. It has to be revealed to the eyes of our heart. You know, we sing and we praise and we talk about the kingdom of God and his kingdom forever and everlasting kingdom. And all those things are true, but often we're doing it without understanding. The Spirit of the Lord says, I want to reveal this to you. I want to unveil the mysteries of the kingdom of God to you. And it is made known in a manner and at a time appointed by God and to those only who are illumined by his Spirit. Somebody say amen. We are illumined by his spirit. So let's start here in Matthew 3. And before we do, I just want to pray this morning. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. Lord, we say this morning, our Father, hallowed, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we ask, Holy Spirit, you'd open the eyes of our hearts this morning and unveil the mysteries. Help us to see what you want us to see, Lord. Give us heavenly perspective this morning. Unveil these things to us. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody who believed that said, Amen. amen. So from Matthew 4. Seventeen, it says or sorry Matthew 3 1 through 2 here's John the Baptist he says now in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand so I want to talk about three things this morning recognizing his kingdom entering his kingdom and seeking his kingdom because before we can understand kingdom culture we need to understand the nature of his kingdom amen the nature of who he is. And and one of the things to note, and looking at Matthew 4, 17, it says this, from that time Jesus began to preach the same message. Repent, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His message was an invitation to the kingdom. And when he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, means the king is here. He's standing in front of you. It's time to shift your allegiance to this king. Yes. See, repentance, Pastor Sam preached so eloquently on this last week, but I will add to it, repentance the word repentance is metanoia. It's a higher mindset. It's a heavenly mindset, amen, if you will. Isaiah 55 says that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And, and he has given us, by the Spirit of God, he's given us the mind of christ are you still with me and this way of thinking this perspective is entirely counterculture to the world we live in so three things that characterize his kingdom that we recognize it's his presence it's his rule and his reign and it's his power See, where the king is, where his rule and his reign is, those who are under his rule and his reign, those who have submitted to his power, his authority, that's where the kingdom resides. And when he says the king is here, the kingdom is at hand, and you see, when he poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost, come on, He said, I'm going to come live inside of you. I'm going to dwell my my people. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead comes and lives inside of us. The mystery of godliness, the mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory, comes and fills our life. His presence and where the king is, he can rule. And you see, when many times we relate to him as Savior, but we don't always relate in every area of our life to him as Lord. I know, you guys got quiet. But he, when we make him Lord, when we give him, when we surrender to him every area, there's peace, there's joy, there's righteousness. Come on. But His presence is in us so that His kingdom would be established in, our, in the hearts of every believer. Yes. And here's the thing to see. His kingdom now resides in heaven, but by His Spirit can be governing our lives. Yes. Secondly is His power. It says in Matthew 4.23, and I want you to see this. It says, Jesus was going through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming what? He was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people you see where his kingdom is preached and declared there's power and there's rule and reign his rule and his reign over sickness his rule and his reign over disease his rule and his reign over those things that have come into, a, into the world as a result of sin. Yeah. And he says the kingdom is here. He's proclaiming the gospel. And where it's proclaimed, you know what the gospel means. It's too good to be true news. Come on. Yeah, right. It's too good to be true news. But it is true. Praise God. And look at when he was sending out the 12 in Luke chapter 9. He says, and he called the 12 together and he did what? He gave them power and authority over all demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. King's presence, the king's power, the king's reign. And then in the next chapter, he goes and sends out the 70 and he instructs them, he says, and heal those in it. In each city who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And so when, when Jesus is healing, when he is delivering, that's the manifestation of the kingdom of God in our lives. Amen. It's the manifestation of his power. And not only does he want to touch our lives with it, he wants to touch others lives through us with it. And then in Luke chapter 11, verse 20, I know we're moving fast, but just you, there'll be notes if you want them. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And you see, Jesus was having a conversation with the Pharisees, and they were blaspheming him, saying, he, he casts out demons by the spirit of Beelzebub. And Jesus is like, oh, you, you do, You dudes. Really? you think a, a, a kingdom divided its, against itself can stand? Right? Do you think Satan casts out Satan, and he's explaining this to them, and he's saying, you see what happens when a, a strong man is in a house, when somebody stronger comes him, and he throws him out and takes the good? See what he was saying was, there's one stronger than Satan that's in here. And by the finger of God, by his kingdom power, those demonic spirits were cast out. One stronger, his power. And then speaking as Pilate, we go to John chapter 18, verse 36. He says this, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. You see, his is a kingdom of peace, of joy, and of righteousness. It's a different kingdom. And Pilate's sitting there scratching his head going, Who is this guy? What is he all about? is knowing he's innocent, not wanting to have anything to do with this guy. Facing this trial in front of the Jews in which he would be crucified eventually. But Pilate's standing there and he's going, I don't know what to do with this guy. This kingdom's unlike anything I've ever seen. See, his worry was, is this a kingdom that's a threat to my kingdom? Is this a kingdom... That's a threat to my kingdom. And I would say, sometimes we're in that conundrum. There's an area of our life that we want, no, this is mine. And he's saying, if you'll just let me have it. See, I I rule and I govern much better than you do. See, you were never meant to govern your own life. The whole aim of God throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament is to bring his government over your life. And his government is not like our governments. Thank God. His government is benevolent. He's a good God. His goodness and his mercy and his peace and his love and his joy, that's how he reigns over us. Yes, he corrects us, but he does it in love. Yes, he disciplines, but he does it in love for our good. Come on. His government is the government we want. And when we try to rule and reign on our own, what happens is the enemy comes in and usurps and there's a stronghold developed in our life. That's a place where the enemy takes reign. where the enemy has control, and where God doesn't. And he says, yes, it's a different kind of kingdom, not like anything you've ever seen, Pilate. But you can't see it unless you're born again, like he would tell later in John chapter 3. When you think of the kingdom of God, there's two aspects to it. There's the already and the not yet. It's a kingdom that is already, and it is not yet. What do I mean by that? It's already here in a spiritual reality through our lives, in our hearts. But church, we need to be aware there's a not yet. There's a coming king. This king is coming back to rule and to reign on the earth. Come on. He's going to split the skies with a host of angels, and he's going to come back, and he's going to rule and reign And establish his kingdom in Jerusalem. On the earth. So there's a kingdom that will be physical and visible which all of the nations will stream to. But right now, in the here and now, there's the reality of the kingdom of God. There he takes the rule and the reign in our hearts. And he manifests his presence, his power, and his rule and reign in and through our lives. the already look at Luke chapter 17 verses 20 and 21 he says now having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming he answered them and said the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed nor will they say look here or there it is for behold the kingdom of God is what it's in your midst in your midst and again Jesus having a conversation with the Pharisees and they weren't asking in, in genuine inquisitiveness. Come on. They were saying, where's the proof of your kingdom? It was a critical questioning, if you will. And what he's saying is the kingdom of God can't be recognized with natural eyes yet. It doesn't come by observation. So if we're ready to just sit back and wait, come on. If we're just looking, if we're just saying, look, I want to see this thing. God's saying it's the unseen realm. This kingdom is not like the kingdoms of this world. It's from another realm. It's the kingdom of heaven. All throughout Matthew, he refers to it as the kingdom of heaven. And Pharisees weren't asking from a place of faith or innocent curiosity. They were asking in a critical way. And he says, it is within you. And one translation says, it is among you. Why? Because the king is standing there. The king is standing there. In other words, the king Jesus was there and in their midst, and they did not recognize him for who he was. They missed him. You know, John the Baptist said, there's one among you whom you have not seen, haven't noticed, haven't known. How often is Jesus in our midst and we're not noticing him? How often is Jesus trying to relate the things of the kingdom of God to us and we're missing it? And He can do it in ways that we don't know. Husbands, God might reveal the kingdom of God through your wife. Likewise, wives, right? He might reveal the kingdom of God in different ways, but He is trying to reveal it to us. How often is he in the midst of us and we miss it? When somebody submits to the rule of God, he comes under the kingdom of God in spirit because the kingdom is not from here yet. Andrew Murray describes the kingdom of God as that spiritual state in which the life of God and of heaven is made accessible to men and they enter into its enjoyment here on earth. Isn't that beautiful? Enter into its enjoyment now. Now experiencing the kingdom of god and here's the not yet look at this current state of this world and we understand the not yet this realm if you will lies under the power of the enemy it says in first john 5 it's under the power of corruption in fact all creation cries out for the revelation of what the sons of god The day will be freed from its corruption. It's under this corruption, and and we see it in Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness, and the enemy takes him up, and the Bible says that the enemy took him to a high place, took him up, if you will, and showed him the kingdoms of this world. And he said, look at this. All this has been handed over to me. And if you will just bow and you will just worship me, you can have all of it. You can have all of it. But the Lord responded. And I want you to see this. See what the enemy's temptation was, was to have the glory and to have the power without the suffering and the price. Outside of obedience. Obedience. And you see, that's the way the enemy always tempts us as well. Because without the cross, we don't get into the kingdom. Come on. We live a compromised life. And so here was Satan tempting him with a, with a, with a shortcut, if you will. And we're always looking for shortcuts, aren't we? Especially Western culture, America. We want it fast. We want it quick. We want it our way. We want it microwave. But there's a process that God is bringing us through. And Jesus' response is this. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. See, he's to be king. Him only. And what happened? Well, how did Satan get that? That hand over took place in the garden. You see, it says in Psalm 115, the, earth, the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth belongs to the sons of men. See, he gave the earth, he gave dominion to Adam, and when he sinned, he went like this. He said, here you go, Satan. Are you with me? Are you still with me? Yeah. He is handed over to him. And so it lies under the dominion of the evil one. And yet, here we are in the midst of it, in this world, not of this world, living to overcome by the kingdom of God that's in us, within us. Praise God for his kingdom living in us. But there's a not yet, throughout Psalms, that speaks of his kingdom and his dominion as an everlasting kingdom, that he is over all the nations of the world. He will judge the world in righteousness and execute judgment for the people with equity it says in the psalms david writes in psalm 145 one of my favorite scriptures it says this they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power come on church is that the kind of conversation we're having do you know i I love the stories of transformation you guys we get to have george Otis. he's here he may be listening this morning bless you guys But those stories of transformation happen when the kingdom of God touches and and impacts a community or 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 a city or a town or an area or a country or a nation. And it impacts in such a way that the people are talking, speaking of his kingdom and its power and how it's impacted their lives. But there's a greater day coming when his kingdom will come on earth you to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory and the majesty of your kingdom your kingdom is an somebody say everlasting everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations see what when we were, when Lonnie Riley was here in June we saw and we heard of the testimony of what God had done in Lynch Kentucky many stories like that we're hearing of the stories of what's happening in these prison units In Texas God is moving mightily there's a revival taking place in these maximum maximum uh, prisons in Texas God is saving and delivering and there's the the kingdom of God is touching lives come on somebody transformation is taking place what happens when the kingdom of God affects your life is you, you are transformed But the not yet parallel prophetic passages in Isaiah 2 and Micah 4 speak of the coming kingdom of the Lord on earth, saying in that day, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and nations will stream to it. And many people will say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to be taught and learn of his ways. Isn't that awesome? I'm looking forward to that day. Come on, somebody the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem he will judge between the nations Daniel says in chapter 2 verse 44 the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never somebody say never 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 be destroyed he says that will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms And later in chapter 7, he says, The saints of the highest ones will receive the kingdom and possess it forever. I don't know, is that in your mindset? Because it needs to be. We need to be a people who are ready. Because this is training ground. I said, this is training ground. We're learning to rule and reign in our lives with him. And then when he comes and he establishes his kingdom on earth, we'll rule and reign with him, being part of his kingdom. We're learning to be under and subjected to his kingdom here so that we can be ready when his, and recognize his kingdom when it comes. You see, they didn't recognize the king the first time he came. They didn't expect the king to come as a weak baby in a manger in a, the way he did. They missed it. There's one in your midst, and you don't see it. But nobody is going to miss the second time. I said, nobody's going to miss the second time. Come on. We need to be a church and we need to be a people who are crying, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. We are closer and closer. The day draws nigh. Come on, for his return. Let us be a ready people. Isaiah says, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. You know, there's a lot of talk in the media about a global reset. They're trying to change the whole economic system. And I don't know anything. I don't know all all the details of that or anything. But I know this, that when he comes, there's going to be a global reset. Come on. There's going to be a reset of the kingdoms. There's going to be a reset. And he says in Matthew 24, 14, he says, the gospel of the kingdom... Shall be preached in the whole earth as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. I don't know if you saw that. But as we go and we make it an, and we endeavor with our hearts to advance the kingdom of God in this world, we're getting closer. And the gospel is spreading throughout the earth. It's near, folks. It's near, folks. If you haven't made them Lord, now's a good time. Come on. <laughs> it's near. And in Revelation, chapter 11, verse 15 says this. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become... The kingdom of our Lord and his Christ and he will reign forever and ever whoo praise God amen Roman rule you know if you want to see an illustration of how his kingdom works one pastor put it this way when the Roman Empire was in its heyday it was a huge kingdom that kept getting bigger the Caesars continually sent out their armies to take new territory. When a new territory came under Roman control, the Romans would use force to try to make that new territory as much like Rome as possible. They would build Roman temples and institute the Roman religion, and w- which involved the worship of Caesar. They would institute Roman education, arts, and culture. They built Roman baths. They would do everything that could, they could do to make the new territory just like Rome. When a new territory came under Roman control, the Romans would use force to try to make that new territory as much as Rome as possible. They would... Sorry, that's repetitive, repetitive. But why would they do it? They did it so that if Caesar ever came there, listen up, he would feel right at home because the territory was just like his home. Just like his home. And just as the Romans conquered new territory and transformed it to reflect their king Caesar, so it is with our lives in the kingdom of God. That the territory of our hearts be conquered. Come on. And brought under his law, his dominion. And as a result, our lives would reflect the nature, character, and culture of our king. The question is, do we live lives that reflect him and his kingdom? Are we identified with his kingdom? Are there areas in our lives where he doesn't have full dominion? And you see, how do we know? Because Romans 14, 17 says this. Paul writing to the Romans says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I said righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when there's, if there's an area we're not experiencing that, has he, have we really allowed him to have lordship over that area? Because mm-hmm. that's the evidence of the kingdom of God operating in our lives. We experience and we live in and we enter into the righteousness and peace and joy now. Amen. So we recognize the kingdom both here and now and to come. Amen? And then Mark 10, 15 says this, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. I don't know if you've ever spent time just to meditate on that passage, but it's significant. It's speaking of the posture of our heart, the disposition that we are to have And he says, we are to receive his kingdom as a child. And you see, because we're in America, we don't understand kingdoms that well. We have a different form of government. But in places like England, somebody is born into royal inheritance. They are born into that place. That position is not earned. It's a matter of birthright. And so it is with us. Look at John three five. He says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot what enter, enter into the kingdom of God." <clears throat> and in this conversation that Jesus is having, I'll turn there in John chapter three, real quickly. He's describing the kingdom of God and he's describing what is required because this kingdom requires that you be born again. He says to Nicodemus that you be born again. That which is of flesh is flesh. That which is of spirit is spirit. We must be born of the spirit to see the kingdom of God. So if you're not seeing it this morning and you need to be born again, today's the day. Praise God. He will open that up, but he says entering, this idea of entering in is to come in and to, take, and to have full possession of the experience of his kingdom in our life. Enter into it. Even in Matthew 7, he says, on that day, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not do all these things in your name? He says, depart from me, you did those I did not know you wow, that's alarming to me that we could be functioning and doing the churchy thing and yet not be entering into the kingdom of God. I don't want to be in that place. And thirdly, and I'll close with this, is seeking his kingdom. He says, but seek first, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be what added to you. That's that entering, that's experience, that's that fullness of what God has. And when we are in the, when we are under His rule and His reign, in Isaiah thirty-three twenty-two, it says the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our judge, and the Lord is our king. He will save us. The three branches of His government, the legislative, the judicial, and the Executive. I want his full reign of government in my life. I want you to judge God. I'll lay aside my opinions. Come on. I'll lay aside what I think. I want to know what you think. I want to know your perspective on it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then, Colossians 3 1. I'm almost there, folks. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking keep on seeking that's an ongoing thing the things above we had a word this morning from mike andrews and he said don't get focused on the things that are going on here but set your focus in your eyes up here because what's going on here is not really what's going on are you with me And you can be so overcome and distracted and carried away with that that you lose the righteousness, the peace, and the joy that God has for you because of the circumstantial chaos. Lift up your eyes. Keep seeking things above the kingdom of heaven to become a reality in my life. Becoming a reality through my life. Because no matter what happens with the governments of man, the nations here on earth, there is a God who rules and is above all the nations of the earth. And his counsel will prevail. His counsel will prevail. That in the midst of all this chaos, that God can be doing good things. That we can get distracted by what the enemy is doing in this realm, but God has another realm that he needs us to see, and that's his kingdom. not like the kingdoms of the earth set your mind there's a mindset of the kingdom on the things above not on the things that are on earth I've said it before I'll say it again they said you can be so heavenly minded you're no earthly good I don't believe that I believe I can be the most earthly good if I got the mindset of heaven I believe when I have the mindset of heaven I can do a lot of good for this earth and so can you, when we get hold of his thoughts, his ways, and we're allowing it to influence and to direct and to govern our lives, we can have a positive impact on the earth around us through your job, through your whatever, through, in your parenting. Come on, parents, we need the kingdom of God <laughs> to rule and reign in us in everything we do yeah. he wants to grant to you this morning to know the mysteries of the kingdom but we must recognize it its power its rule its reign its authority its presence in our his presence in our life you see that's what it means to acknowledge him is to acknowledge his presence that he's he's always with us he will never leave us he'll never forsake us we, we waver and we forsake him, but he never forsakes us. You see, he's a good king. He's a good God. It's an already but not yet kingdom. Are you with me? There's a here and now experience that God wants to bring you into when we submit to his rule of heaven. But there's a soon in coming, physical, visible kingdom coming to this earth. Until then, we must occupy until he comes. We must live a life that is reflective, that expresses him, his values, his culture. Who he is. Kingdom mentality. Says that wherever I go, because the king is in me and the king is with me, that that atmosphere can change. The greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. That this kingdom is greater than the kingdom of darkness that's prevailing over our land. That his light dispels the darkness. He's a soon and coming king, but he is a victorious king and he can reign in victory now in your life. For he and I'll finish with this Colossians 1.13 if the worship team can come Colossians 1.13 for he rescued us from the domain of darkness oh, I don't know about you but that gets me excited can, can anyone testify this morning what it means to be in the domain of darkness I can I thought I was in control I thought I had it together, but slowly, 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 I began to lose control, and I realized I wasn't calling the shots anymore, that the habits, the addictions, the the things that were greater than me, they were stronger than me, the attitudes, the ways of living were stronger than me. I didn't understand at the time, but I was under the domain of darkness. I was under the enemy's domain by virtue of my choices, by virtue of how I had chosen to live. But then came his light. Then came his light and his salvation. Psalm 27 says he is our light and he is our salvation. Whom shall I dread? Whom shall I dread? Woo! Somebody needs that this morning. He's my light and my salvation. Whom shall I dread no matter what I face? In the day of trouble, he'll conceal me in his tabernacle. But his light came and I was transformed and I was transferred from the kingdom of light, into the, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. under the rule and reign of Jesus, the best place to live, the best way to live. Would you stand with me, church, this morning? Oh, Lord, we just love you this morning. So grateful. You are a great king. You are Lord of lords, King of kings. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment. is in their midst is in our midst this morning the king is in our midst his presence is here his power is here his rule, his reign, his authority is here this morning and he says to us the people of God he says you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation A people for His own possession, that we might declare the praises of God. His praise, His marvelous praise. And I don't know if you're here this morning, and you might be dealing with defeat in some area of your life. You might be dealing with. I have lost control, Pastor. This area is greater than me. See, I know this this morning. When we bow to the king, then the king can come and he he delivers. He comes and he dispels all the arm of the enemy that have kept us captive, that have kept us in bondage, that have kept us in a place of being in darkness. And he's the king of glory. He's the king of light. And he comes and he dispels that darkness in your life. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I've never, never truly surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I've never been born again. This thing you're speaking of, I don't understand it, but I want it. If that's you this morning, if you want to respond to his invitation, he says, repent for the kingdom of God. Heaven is at hand. Or maybe it's just an area you say, I've I've lost it in this area, this area of my life. Whatever it may be, I need him. I need his lordship. I need to make him truly lord, because if he's not lord of all, he's not lord at all. I said, if he's not lord of all, he's not lord at all. So, Lord, be lord of all in every area of my life. And maybe this morning it's the Holy Spirit bringing because he gently comes and he brings conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment in our hearts. And he says, this area here, I want to deal with this. If you'll let me in, if you'll surrender it to me, then I can have full dominion. And I'll bring righteousness, peace, and joy. I'll bring victory in that, whatever it may be. Maybe you've been fearful. Maybe you've been afraid. But he's a good God. You can trust him this morning with whatever that is I want to encourage you if you need prayer for anything come to this altar we're going to pray with you we want to believe God for his kingdom and his righteousness to come in every area of your life amen in every area of your life not just some not just part let him be Lord of all and you will never regret it you will never regret it Hallelujah. It's worship this morning if we could have prayer teams come if you need prayer you need healing his kingdom his power is here for healing you need deliverance of any sort his kingdom and his power is here in us he's here in this place to deliver and set the captives free whatever you need this morning God is here for you come in Jesus name